I was asked to be the boys coach so they had some competitive events at camp but it wasn't basketball football and baseball it was dodgeball and ultimate frisbee so prior to going to the dodgeball game I brought them into our room Corey and I did and I gave them the talk boys you're getting ready to start to, to be able to do something that kids only pray about and that is to compete in a dodgeball tournament you've got to lay it on the line you've got to leave it all there you've got to give it all you've got you're representing first Camden let's go out and take this thing and they were high-fiving they were jumping up and down they had their bandanas around their head they all had shirts on that matched we looked better than any team there this was the post-game talk boys I've never seen anybody exit a dodgeball tournament as fast as we just did we got hammered we got hammered and then we played we can make it up an ultimate frisbee which was kind of like football if you've never done it where they throw a frisbee if you drop it the other team gets it and you have to put it in an end zone kind of thing and we looked good we played well we played hard but we came up short we lost so I want the boys that are here to stand up that played in that and I want you to look at me anybody else I want you guys to look at me this was our post game talk after the second loss boys I've never been more proud of you guys okay sit down anyway anyway we had we, we had a lot of fun we had a lot of fun and these guys were such good sports and uh, let me and Corey just tag along and have fun with them and I think the church should be very proud of your young people and you parents that sent your kids you're doing a good job and I praise God for you do you see what I see it's more than a Christmas song do you see what I see that's what Elisha wanted God to teach his servant in 2nd Kings chapter 6 I'll begin with verse 8 and read down through 14 okay the Bible says now the king of Syria this would be Benadad he was making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants saying my camp will be in such and such a place and the man of God Elisha sent to the king of Israel which would be Jehoram saying beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there then the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God told him thus he warned him and he was watchful there not just once or twice Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Your Bible may tell you that Dothan means two wells. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots, 
and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early, when Elisha's servants got up early and went out, imagine this, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered and said, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, the Bible says, verse 17. And he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, I want you to get the picture. They're in the planning stages of war. Of war against Israel. And the king of Syria gathers his leaders together and says, Boys, we have a problem. There is a spy amongst us. Somebody has given away our strategy to the enemy. And the Bible says that they answer it pretty quickly. When you look at, look at this passage, in verse 11, he says, will you not show us which one is for Israel that's in this group? And one of the servants says, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the things that you're speaking in private. Now, folks, most of the time when you're in a battle, you don't lay out your strategy for the enemy. Now, isn't it interesting that we've seen just the opposite of that take place in some battles that American armed forces have been involved in? It's like we want the news to tell us where they're going to be and what they're going to do so that the rest of the world knows where they're going to be and what they're going to do. And that's exactly what's happening here. It's almost as if Israel is beating the Syrians every corner at every punch and every time they have any kind of strategy the the enemy for them Israel is there waiting for them in essence the king saying who's fighting against me who's fighting against us uh, this week at youth camp the theme was Jesus is for all what is it say it again Jesus is for all forever and by the end of the week they were teaching us that Jesus is not all forever he's 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 for us forever you have to make it personal his church and brothers and sisters this morning look at me this morning recognize that there is a real devil who is after us and he's after you the answer reveals that Elisha is this man of God and it's God who's giving him the details and here's the first thing I want you to jot down you don't have an insert today but you can write it somewhere okay here's the first thing I want you to understand that God knows the best route for you to take in life he knows the best route for you to take in life uh, the other day uh, uh, we were looking you know you know Keisha is not from this area I mean she didn't grow up in Dayton she didn't grow up in, right here with us and uh, we, they sent me directions and Corey came from California so they sent me directions and said 
well, there's some stops to make on the way to Cedarville on 35. And I said, we ain't going 35. We're going to I-70. And we're going over. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows the I-70s for every life in this building. He knows the best route for you to take in life. And for some of you here this morning, maybe you're running and you know you're running. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and you're just not living the way God would be pleased with and you know you're running the wrong way or perhaps you're here and you recognize you've heard the truth but you've never done anything with it. You've never stepped through a door of faith. Or maybe you're here today and you just have never heard it clearly. My prayer is today you would do that. But God knows the best route for you to take. Years ago, Sheila graduated from nursing school the year I graduated from high school. Her and Rick also got married that, that summer. As soon as they got married in July of that summer, I took my first ever trip away with some boys, and we got in the car and we headed to Daytona Beach, Florida. On the way back from Daytona Beach, we thought we would stop at my grandparents' house in South Carolina, so we looked at that big old State Farm Atlas map. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we said, let's just take the straightest route to, to Woodruff, South Carolina from Florida. Little did I know that that would involve every little town in America to get through in order to get where we were going. Folks, listen. God knows the best route for you to take with your life. Now, now look at me, Christians. If he knows, why in the world would I waste time trying to do it my own way? Now, you kids, you know, some of you, we won't be back to camp together. You'll go to college. Some of you that are here are recent graduates. You'll do your own thing. And you're going to think, I've arrived because I'm making big money and I've got my degree. I can assure you that will not buy you happiness. You'll get to the point and you'll wonder, what's next? Anybody want to say amen? Some of you are chasing the big money and you think it's a job that's going to make you happy. I'm not saying that you, cannot, you, you can be unhappy sometimes in places you work. But I'm telling you, a job will not quench a thirst for peace and joy and contentment. Jesus does. And isn't it interesting, we live in a nation that thinks that somehow the answer is to pull further and further away from the truth of God's word, get as far as you can away from evangelical Christians, and, and it's all going to work out. Well, how is that working out for us right now? It's crazy. And let me just say this as a little side note. Most of you know that the Southern Baptist Convention was last week. Ed Litton was elected the president. Let me tell you what I know about Ed Litton, regardless of what your Facebook and Twitter says. He loves the Lord Jesus. He's an evangelical, conservative, Bible-believing Christian. He is not CRT. He believes that there's work to do in race relations, as we all do. We are in good hands with the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we ought to praise God for that. The devil would have you believe differently. Someone this morning said, Brother Greg, uh, this social media page said exactly the opposite of what you did this morning. I said, that's exactly right. It's a social media page. God knows what's best for your life. How many of you remember the show starring Robert Young? What was it called? One, two, three. Father Knows Best. And, and in those old shows, uh, kids, that we used to watch when we were growing up, they were most of them black and white. And Dad always had a tie on and a suit. 
Mom always had an apron. If I were to say, Renee, would you look like Joan Cleaver? She would say, would you get real? Because that's really not the way life is. That's really not the way life is. Here's what God is. He's ahead of us. He lovingly waits for us. He wants to pull us back when we get off the path that he has chosen. He wants to open doors and close doors. He has a route that's best for us to take in life. Amen. Now, look at verses 13 and 14. The king says, go and see where he is, who Elisha, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sends horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, it's interesting to me that they're looking for Elisha. Isn't that what the Bible says? <laughs> and he's sending his army because he recognizes he's dealing with more than just a man. He's dealing with a God who is leading a man to lead a nation. The Bible says in verse 14, they surround the city, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. The servant sees it. He sees the enemy. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? The Bible says the servant rose up early. I want to assure you these boys did not go to bed early this week. They were supposed to be in their rooms at 11 o'clock. Thursday night at 1 o'clock, I felt led to open the door of our room, and I opened the door, and I saw Quentin Hudson standing right there. And as I stood there, it was like somebody watching a mouse run through their house. Mason Spurlock runs over to his room, and, and uh, Isaac, the spiritual leader of the group, they come out of his room. I knock on his door. Isaac, the spiritual leader of the group, answers the door and he's trying to wipe like sleep out of his eyes yes brother Greg listen they weren't going to bed early this servant rose early any, any, how many of you would consider yourself an early riser okay use your sanctified imagination here he steps out of Elijah's place Elisha's place I hope I haven't messed that up. Have I been saying Elijah? Elisha? Elisha's place? He's, he's got his coffee in his hand. Reaches down for the Dayton Daily News. And he looks up. And he sees that they're surrounded. He backs into the house. He says, Master, we're in trouble. What do we do? And I love... I love his response. Look at 16. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Number two in your outline. Trusting and serving God faithfully is one of the strongest sermons you'll ever preach. People will watch you when the bottom of life falls out. They'll see how you handle it. Yesterday, Renee and I were on our way to her mom's night listen her mom turned 93 I've been telling everybody 94 that is something as a son-in-law you don't want to do she, she turned 93 yesterday she's born in 28 
and uh, we cooked stuff at our house to take there. So when we were leaving, it looked like it might rain again, and, and I was trying to see if the grill was cool enough to put the cover back on because I was afraid it was going to rain. And when I ran, went around there, Renee was ready to go. When I went around there by myself, I began to move the grill, and I knocked the grease cup off of the grill, just splattered. Now I'm after paper towels and trying to do something. But I, I can tell you, when I knocked the grease cup off, I didn't say, praise God, I'm the pastor of the church down on Camden. It was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Who would design something like this? Deflecting all the, all, all of the, all of the miscue, right? After all, we, we, we as Christians are good. When we do something, make sure somebody else gets blamed. And, and I go around, and she goes, she's like, where you been? And I said, I knocked that grease cup off. You must have not put it on. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Listen to me. Trusting God and serving faithfully is one of the strongest sermons that you will ever preach to other people when the bottom of life falls out. How do we know that? Because of Elisha's reaction. Do not fear. For those who are with us, see, Elisha can see it. His servant can't yet. Those who are with us, the servant had his eyes down on his circumstances. Elisha had his eyes on God. Those that are with us are bigger than those that are against us. Hey, by the way, greater is he that is in me than he that is in you, or that he that is in the world, right? Greater he that is in me. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those that are against us. Let me tell you something about good leaders. Good leaders offer a calm presence when things aren't going well. It's easy to shout back when people shout at you. Good leadership isn't shouting back. Good leaders encourage people. Good leaders encourage faith. That's what Elisha does here. He gives him some assurance that we're going to trust the one who's going to make things happen. And the way you and I respond in life to the uncertainties in life can be the deciding factor on people that are watching your life and they're, and they're thinking something like this. I don't know what a Christian is, but when I see uh, Don Hall... That's what I believe a Christian is. I don't know what a Christian is, but I've worked with Ken Greisman a long time, and, and he seems to believe what, what he believes, and, and that must be what a Christian is. One writer said this, you can't control what happens to you, but you can decide how you're going to respond to what happens to you. So what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. Now, dads, let me talk to you just for a minute. Do you pray for your family? You say, Brother Greg, I pray for my family every day. Brother Greg, you know I pray for my family. I don't, I don't discount any of that. But let me ask you another question. Do you pray for your family out loud? Because when you look at Elisha in 17, the Bible says he prayed and he said, Lord, I pray, listen, open his eyes that he might see. I have a feeling that the servant heard Elisha pray out loud. God opened his eyes that he might see. And the Bible says at the end of 17, 
And he did, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Number three, what does audible prayer do? It encourages those who hear it. I love to hear my mom pray for me. I love to hear my dad pray for me. I love to hear Renee pray for me audibly, audibly. And I believe the servant heard Elisha. Now, he may have been singing a praise song. Open the eyes of his heart, Lord. Maybe he was. But what he wanted him to do was see what God had already shown him. And the Bible says his eyes are opened and he sees. And what does he see? Verse 17, second half. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots, listen, of fire. God's power will devour man's power. God's power will devour man's power. And I believe the servant not only heard, it was then that the servant realized that God had a plan that was way bigger than what he could come up with. Remember, alas, master, what shall we do? He saw. In essence, he saw something that he didn't a few minutes later. The first thing he said is, we're surrounded, and now he sees, oh, master, God has the enemy surrounded. We're in good hands. Our battle is the Lord. As a matter of fact, his, I don't, the Bible doesn't say this, but maybe he got a little cocky like our dodgeball team. He may have done something like this. Why don't you boys just bring it on if you're so tough? Just bring it in here. Jeff, you want to hit me? I'll take my glasses off. Go ahead. He may have started taunting the enemy. I don't know. But what he realized was God wasn't playing around, that God was showing up, and God was going to make something happen, and they were in good shape. Amen? He prays to the Lord. The story continues. Verse 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. You guys with me? Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. So they're blinded, and he's saying, Follow me, and I will take you to Elisha. And he, and he walks them right into Samaria. He takes them right back to his home. And when they get there, he asks of the king, Well, what are we going to do? Or, or the king says to him in verse 21, Shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You should not kill them. Verse 22, Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? In essence, would you kill a prisoner of war? No, you would feed them and give them water to drink. And then the end, verse 22 says, And then go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. After they ate and drank, he sent them away. They went to their master, so the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land 
of Israel. Number four, a grateful heart will lead to kindness. Kindness will lead to grace. Uh, what was Jason's song? A little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Anybody need that in your own life? If I had a theme song for my Christian life, it would be prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Not that I want to, but my heart wonders. And folks, when your heart is grateful, you will be a kind person. Ungrateful people are not kind. When your heart is grateful and your heart is kind, kindness will lead to grace, meaning that you won't be so hard on everybody else. You cut somebody a break. Some of you sitting here today need a break. Some of you here today need to give somebody a break. Some of you work with somebody that drives you nuts. I mean, they're, they're taking up space in your heart and your mind. You're always thinking about them. How about showing them some kind of grace tomorrow? Show them what Jesus looks like. Why? Because a grateful heart will lead to kindness. And kindness will lead to grace. And that's what Elisha shows. Now, is that the end of the struggle? No, that's not the end of the struggle as you keep reading. But here, God reveals himself and he takes care of things because the servant sees what Elisha sees. I close with this. Some of you are very familiar with the blockbuster movie, Field of Dreams. In the movie, we're taken on a journey, really, to fulfill the dreams of having a second chance to make things right. The Field of Dreams is based on a novel entitled Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. And in the movie, there's a fellow named Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner, who hears a voice in a cornfield telling him, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And what he eventually does is, with going against the counsel of some that loved him the most, is he plows up his Iowa cornfield to build a baseball field that will call back shoeless Joe Jackson and baseball players from the 1919 Chicago White Sox who were banned for throwing the 1919 World Series. So he risked everything. He risked the stability of his family, their economic survival to build this baseball field. And at first, even he was skeptical. But eventually, he realizes that it's a calling, even though most don't understand it. You see, after the death of his own dad, John Kinsella, Ray was overcome with a sense of guilt and emptiness due to the fact that there was a horrible conflict with his dad that would never be resolved. So during the day, this group would walk out of the cornfield that only he could see, and they would practice on this field that he had built. He would watch them and talk to them, but he had a brother-in-law that couldn't see any of it, and he thought he was crazy. And he said, Ray, if you continue to do this, and based on the crops that you're giving up, you're going to lose the farm, you're going to lose everything. And in one scene, Ray's child falls back and is choking one of the players steps off of the field knowing that he'll never be able to step back onto the field. The child is revived, and after the child's revived, his brother-in-law says, Ray, where did all these people come from? 
and he sees what Ray has seen all along. Well, at the end of the day, the players head to the corn stalks to vanish. Ray wants to go with them, but he can't. And as shoeless Joe Jackson starts to walk in, he turns and says, Ray, if you build it, not they will come, he will come. And the camera shifts to a catcher standing behind the plate. He takes off his mask, and there stands his dad. John Casilla. Well, his wife, she's bought in the whole, she's seen it for a long time. She nudges him and says, introducing to his granddaughter. And Ray, not wanting to give things away, introduces his dad as John. Says, John, this is Karen. Karen, this is John. The movie ends this way. As his dad now is heading toward the outfield, Ray says, Dad, turns around. Dad, Do you want to play catch? There they stood, just throwing that ball back and forth, as boys and dads do, and girls as girls and dads do, playing ball. And then the camera pans out in the darkness, and you see a line of headlights as cars are coming. If you build it, they will come. You see, completing his journey allowed him to make amends. To, to get rid of this burden of forgiving that he had held on to for a long time. My prayer is, on this Father's Day, that we would recognize that the moments are fleeting, that God is faithful, we're to love our family and make sure we redeem the time. Would you stand, every head bowed, every eye closed? Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to sing that first verse again and then into the chorus. When we get to the chorus, I want you to lift your hands and your palms toward heaven. And this will be just a symbolic gesture that, God, I'm surrendering. Okay? I'm not going to drag around my mistakes today. I'm giving to you. And by faith, believing that you're taking them, I, I ask for forgiveness. I ask for cleansing. Have your way. So let's sing. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in His presence Yeah.
amen. Let's all stand together. God bless you for being here. God bless you for being faithful. Uh, I pray for you. I pray for, for those of you that are experiencing uh, Father's Day for the first time without dad. I'm praying for you that uh, Father's Day is so hard because of the memories of your dad. And I pray that they will bring you comfort as you think of him. And for all of us who are still breathing, may God help us be better dads. Amen. May God help us be better dads. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. On your way out, Lucas and uh, Carson, you guys get in place. See those two boys walking right there? Men, all men, that's who you need to find before you leave. They'll be in the, the lobby. They have a gift for you from the church, okay? And uh, have a great day in the Lord. Uh, you what time is Junior High pulling out? 11 a.m. tomorrow. If you, if you feel, if you got some time you want to pop by, pop by and we'll have a prayer together before they leave and pray for them this week. If you'll do that, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.